couldn't help but as I was sitting here and I was looking towards the front of the stage, in our congregation there are many handprints. I don't, I don't know, for lack of a better term, many of men and women have had their hands on this sanctuary. I couldn't help but sit here and think, when I see the railing, I think of Brother Dude and I see the cross on the front of the pulpit, I think of Brother Mike Hutchison and back in the entryway, there's a cross hanging up and I see that and I think of Bill Powers. And some of you ladies have had your hand on this church so many times doing things and I see the work that men and women have given. I think of Joe Zimmerman building those speaker uh, frame things there. The guy actually tried to hire him, the professional that was installing it. And it's just a, a reminder of this body coming together. And uh, if you know anything about men, ladies, you will probably, I'll probably get an amen here. When we're on a trip and the, the vacation's over, there's something about being a man that we have to break all records and get home. You're not drinking anything. We're not stopping anywhere. And we're going from point A to point B. Am I telling the truth? Moses is standing before the people. God's already told him. He says, listen, you, you're not going into the promised land. God told him to speak to the rock, but in anger, Moses hit the rock, smote the rock. He disobeyed God. And because he disobeyed God, he got to see the promised land, but he never got to enter into it. And I'm not going to debate you at the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm not debating all that. What I'm telling you is, Moses is standing before the people. And the Bible tells us it's an 11 days journey from point A to point B. And it took Israel 40 years to get there. And one whole generation died in the wilderness because they would not obey what God said. And I believe today in our churches, we have become proficient with putting on a show. We have become proficient with all the PowerPoints and all the technology and all the wow factor. And we failed in teaching the most basic thing that we're supposed to teach. And that is to obey all the commands of our Lord. Moses' parting message. He stands in Deuteronomy. This is his last book. He knows he's dying. God's already told him he's going to die. In his parting message, the first five chapters of Deuteronomy, Moses rehearses the history of Israel. All that God did for them. And we come to chapter 6. And this is the message. Actually, the last verse of chapter 5 and then into chapter 6. Moses says, You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. From this point on, every address that Moses gives until God takes his life is obey. 
Obey the commandments of the Lord. Obey the commandments of the Lord. Obey the commandments of the Lord. In verse 1 of chapter 6, we see a word that keeps reappearing over and into the New Testament. In chapter 6 and verse 1, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes of the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them. I'm reading from the New King James. The King James Version says that you may do them. The word observe there, actually, it's the word observe, and it means to keep or to guard. It means to be diligent about it. It means to make it a priority in your life. And he says, Observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command you. You, your son, your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten or are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. From the house of bondage. Moses' last message. Obey. Obey. Observe. Do every one of them. Why? Because God's going to give you a place that you didn't build. He's going to give you vineyards that you didn't plant. He's going to bless you with blessings. You had nothing to do. It was all a gift to you. And when you get those blessings... It's not going to turn your heart to God, but in your flesh it's going to turn you away from God. Because you'll forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, really. The very people He led out of Egyptian bondage and they had seen, they had walked across the Red Sea, they had seen the waters parted. Cracks me up. There's these so-called scholars that say, well... The Jordan, or the Red Sea at the time was only this deep. Well, that's even more of a miracle if they drowned in that much water. They had seen all the wonderful works that God had, did, had done and then Moses goes up on the hill on the mountain and he's with God and they're impatient and they're waiting and they're impatient and Aaron is afraid of them. He's afraid to stand up to them. So he goes along with the crowd and he says, Bring me your jewelry. We need a God to worship. Bring me a jewelry. He puts it in and he says, I just put it in and out came a golden calf. Yeah, right. And they began to worship 
Now listen to me. And do all kinds of debaucherous things that I would not repeat. And they actually attributed their leaving Egyptian bondage to that golden handmade cow. Something that cannot hear them. Something that cannot speak to them. Something that can do nothing for them. So Moses knows well when he's talking to the next generation. And he says, listen, you beware because this is what's going to happen to you. God's going to lead you in there. And when you get in there, you're going to be comfortable. And your comfort is going to take you away from God. But you still better obey. You still better obey. We come to the end of Moses' life. And it's not pleasant. I was reading through it. And it's time, Moses. And Moses goes up on the hill and the Bible says God killed him there. And God buried him. And they don't know where God buried him. This is Moses, right? One of the greatest leaders that ever lived. You know what he's telling them? There's consequences for disobeying God. There are consequences for disobeying God. Joshua, you're called out now. You're going to be the leader. You know what he says? The very first address to the people. Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may, what's that word? Observe to do some of it. No, to do according to all that is written. Joshua's message is the same message of Moses's. Observe to do all of his commandments, not ones that are convenient. Not ones that are easy for you because you don't deal with uh, temptation to not do them. No, all of them. And guess what? Again, they're going to put God to the test. Joshua has no idea. There's a little town over there called Ai. Some people call it Ai. And we're going to go over there. And we're going to wipe them out. There's not very many there. Don't sin, but a few hand, a handful of soldiers. And they go over there and they get whipped. And Joshua falls on his face before God and cries out. And God, why has this happened to us? Why did you do this to us? And God says there's sin in the camp. Through a process of elimination, they land on Achan. And in his tent, buried under his tent, were the spoils that God told them, do not take. Oh, here's some riches. Achan finally sees a chance. I don't have to struggle and, 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 and work so hard and live in these tents and be a nomad. I can have all these riches. Nobody will know. I can sneak off later. I can have my own living and be great. But you know what? You disobeyed God, Achan, and it brought defeat to the whole army of Israel. Guess what happened? Achan's killed right then and there. Because he didn't observe to do all that he was commanded to do. Parents, when you tell your kids three things I want you to do, and you want them to be obedient, and they come back and they say, well, I did half of one. Oh, you're such a good kid. I'm so proud of you. Is that what you say? Absolutely not. 
You said, did I not tell you to do three things? Yeah. Well, normal people do. I mean, some kids, kids are the boss, I guess. But No, you parents, you love your children, and you say, listen, I told you to obey everything I told you to do. Right? God's telling us this. And this is the message. And I fear that in our churches today, we've been wandering around for 40 years in the desert because we failed to listen and we failed to observe all that He's commanded us to do. Preacher, you can't tell people to do that. they, They won't like you and they won't come. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear... You mean they got itching ears and they want to hear what they want to hear? Yes, yes, that's what they want to hear. Well, that's irrelevant. It matters not. What matters is that we tell the message, and the message is to obey everything He has commanded. And there are people who have been saved 20, 30, 40 years, and they're wandering around aimlessly, never grown spiritually, because of the fact that they haven't obeyed all that they were commanded to obey. And they think they're living, but they're not living. They're dying in the wilderness. Reminds me of the men who were going to go. Their wives wanted them to go Christmas shopping. And they didn't want to go. And the wives didn't want them to go because they would complain the whole time. So the wife said, we'll go shopping. You go fishing. The men said, deal. They get out on the boat and they're out on the boat and all of a sudden a storm comes in. It's a tumultuous storm and they run adrift on a sandbar. So they jump out and they're pushing the boat, trying to get it out. The water's beating against them. The waves are beating against them. The wind is beating against them. And they are having the worst time of their life. And one fellow looks at the other fellow and says, this sure beats shopping. (laughs) We laugh at that, but the children of Israel... We've got to eat this manna again. Man, they're getting donuts from heaven. Donuts are in the Old Testament. They took a cruise of oil and they fried it. That's donuts. But they left the whole win. Amen? Americans are the only people who pay overpay for food that they take out. Just give me the whole thing. I don't want a donut. I want the whole circle. Amen? Okay, that's another message. They're complaining about manna from heaven. They're complaining about everything. They wandered. The Bible says that they wandered for 40 years and their shoes did not wear out. I mean, you get three months out of a pair of shoes today, you're in good, good shape. And God met every need for them and every provision for them. And the only thing it did was make them bigger spiritual babies. All they did was complain about what they didn't have. And church, that's where we are today as a, in, in our churches today. We complain. We wander around 40 years complaining. Well, the music's too loud. Well, I didn't like this song. Well, so-and-so said this. And so-and-so did that. Yeah, blah. And it's not enough that we talk about it. Now we display it on social media for everyone to see. And we're nothing more than complaining and wandering around 40 years and we're aloof to the commands of God that give us life, that give us peace, that give us joy. That's good, preacher. That's all Old Testament. Okay, thank you. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, please. 
couple more places. And I will tell you this. This message was not a message I wanted to preach. This is a message that came to me in my daily Bible study. It was a message for me. I'm preaching this to myself. And I just wanted to include you along with it. So this message is to me. I started thinking, well, yeah, you know, that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament saints? Jesus tells a parable at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He has given... How many of you agree with me? The Sermon on the Mount was the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived. Amen? And if you don't agree with that, then you've got problems because Jesus is the one who preached it and He's the one who wrote it. And so He stand there and at the end He gives a parable. This is the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. All that you've heard, He says this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, verse 24, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built this house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house and it fell. And great was its fall. Everything that Jesus has taught them beginning in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 all the way up to 7, chapter 7 and concluding, Jesus is saying this there. You all heard the same sermon, but there's two people in the sermon. There are people who hear the sermon and do nothing with it. There are people who hear the sermon and they observe to do it. They just do it. They observe to do it. Same concept. They do it. They've heard it and they do it. They're the wise who build their house on the rock. The others are those who build on the sand. The storms come. They beat vehemently against them. And the Bible says, great is the fall. Please look at me. Everyone in the history of the world that has ever fallen neglected obedience to God's word. Do you understand that? The first step, the first step to falling is neglecting God's word. Ignoring God's word. And so Jesus has his ministry. At the end of his ministry, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to what? Observe. You know what we've done in our churches? We, want, we get people saved, we want to teach them what it means to be baptized, we want to teach them to have eternal security, and those are all great truths. But you know what we fail to do? The main thing. What's the main thing? Teach them to be obedient. Teach them to be obedient. What's the first lesson parents ought to teach their children? Teach them to be obedient. If a child won't respect his parents, he won't respect teachers and won't respect authority, so on and so forth. Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's not what the Bible says. Spare the rod, hateth the child. Opposite of love. Correction is love. And what Jesus says before He leaves this earth, and what we term the Great Commission that we fixate on about reaching them with the gospel, getting them baptized and teaching them to do all things. Jesus says, 
The first step is to teach them to observe, to observe all things I've commanded you. Obedience. Jesus is the one that said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But preacher, I've got the bracelet and I've got the t-shirts and I sing. And I raise my hand in church. I love Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It was not the distance between point A and point B that kept the Israelites wandering around for 40 years. It was the condition of their hearts. Condition of their hearts. And guys, I'm telling you this. We're neglecting in our churches because we want to be relevant. I hate that word anymore. We want to be culturally relevant and we have to address the concerns of society. No, we don't. We've got to do what God says. It's that simple. Obedience is better than sacrifice. God would rather you obey Him than you to fast 40 days for Him. Or for you to give all your money away. Because you can do all those things with the wrong motive. James tells us in James 1.22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. People who hear the Word and hear the law and hear the the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ but don't do them, the Bible says you're deceiving yourself. But those who do the Word, be doers of the Word. I remember early on when I was here uh, pastoring and I preached a series on James and we came to that passage and we just just do it, Nikes. And remember, Paul Conley put it up on the bulletin board and it stayed back there for a long time. That was our slogan, just do it. In our Bible study, uh, Jason said that yesterday, just do it. I said, yeah, it used to be our slogan years ago. Could it be the distance between where you began your journey of faith and where you are today? You've been wandering around and the reason you've been wandering around is because you haven't been obedient to the Word of God? I'm talking about absolute obedience. There's no gray area. It's black or white. How is the condition of our hearts? See, what has happened, and I don't know how, it must be our flesh, we have become so enamored with success as the world defines it. That we think if we fill up a church and we have all these possessions and all these buildings and we have more attendance than the church down the road, then we are successful. But I will remind you, the other night I was listening to the Reds game. I'm a Reds fan. I've been a Reds fan for a long time. And I don't expect much of being a Reds fan. (laughs) And on the radio they were making a big deal that there were 44,000 people there to watch the Reds. But what they neglected to tell you, it was a broken record, what they neglected to tell you is that after the game the Zac Brown band was singing. And it was cheaper to buy a Reds ticket and watch Zach Brown than it was to go to Zach Brown concert and buy it. 
And so all these 44,000 people were there because Zach Brown band was there and they wanted to show. And so what we could do is bring Zach Brown in here and we could pack the church. Right? But it does nothing for our soul. And we're wandering around and churches are having all these goofy things. I saw something that Bryce sent me where they were dancing around Lion King, dressed grown adults, dressed up in costumes. What does that have to do with church? If you like Lion King, praise God, watch Lion King. I don't care. But why would you take the Lord's time for that? So how do I cultivate a heart that observes to do all? How do I cultivate a heart that observes to do all that the Lord has commanded me? I want five things. These are my things that the Lord gave me. If you like them, great. If you don't, you want to eat here in about 10 minutes. Well, you won't eat. You'll get out in 10 minutes. How's that? Number one, I must seek Him. I must seek Him. We go after what we want. Some of us men will sit in a tree stand freezing to death because that big buck might walk around the corner anytime. And that big buck's probably over there laying in a bush laughing at us. We can go sit at a football game, freeze ourselves to the bone, and think, man, this is living it up. I must seek him. There has to be a desire. There has to be a desire in our heart, guys. That we seek after the Lord. That we want to fellowship with Him. As the psalmist said, I closed Wednesday night and we talked about it in our class, our discipleship group yesterday morning. Uh, Psalm 27, 4. One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek. Seek. I'll seek after Him. I'm going after it. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. David is saying, that's the place where I meet God. He's not concerned about the tabernacle, the temple. What he's concerned about is God and being in His presence. That's what made David different. David was a sinner. David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. But David had a heart for God. And the Bible says of David, he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he sought Him. And we seek everything but Him. You see, this requires discipline. And we like to talk about discipline on the things that we do. Right? The things that we're doing right, we have discipline in it and we correct everybody that's not doing what we're doing. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this discipline daily in our lives where we seek the Lord. I'll never be obedient to the commands of His Scripture if I'm not seeking Him. I'm like... Every once in a while, happen up on obedience. But if I'm not seeking Him, I'm missing the power that's available to help me be obedient. See, we need the Lord, guys. We need the Lord. We need His strength. We're not as strong as we think we are. The Apostle Paul, who is a great Christian, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said, When I am weak, then... I am strong. Why? Because of His strength, not my strength. I need Him. Number two, I must be in the Word. I must be in the Word. Can we be honest? We're family. The TV thing's not on. I'm recording it here for an audio for the people who want to hear. But I could care less about that stuff. I care about our hearts. 
Can we be honest this morning? How many of us have things in our lives that waste time? How many of us, honestly, and God knows your heart, so you're not lying to me, you're lying to God. How many of us will say this? I know there are things in my life that waste time, but I have heard myself say, I don't have time to read the Word. How am I going to have good success if I don't read and meditate on the Word of God? How, how are we... Do you know, this staggers me. I'm listening to some guys. 9%. Are you looking at me? 9%. In a survey done, 9% of pastors said they have read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. 9% of pastors. The same poll, according to Barna Group, 12% of atheists have read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Don't raise your hand. You know where you are. How many of us in this building have read the Bible? I'm not talking about 20 years here, there, and everywhere. I'm talking about read straight through from Genesis to Revelation. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I want you to think about this as I think about it. A few years ago, I slowed down. I, was, I used to read through the Bible in a year according to that sheet, and half the stuff I didn't even remember. Start slowing down reading. If it takes two years, it's okay because I just go through. I know where I'm reading tomorrow. I know where I read this morning. I'm reading straight through. And I'll tell you, I've had a greater blessing. I have found things in my life. That's not what I was taught, but that's what the Bible says. I was taught wrong. This is what the Bible says. Or that was taken out of context. I always heard that. How many of us can truly say <laughs> we're obeying in all things and we haven't even read the whole Word of God. How can we say that? Right? If you haven't read it, how do you know? Well, you know, Pastor. Do I? But we can't stop with reading and meditating. we got to obey on it. Which leads me to the third point. I must be obedient in what I already know. There's a principle that God has throughout all the Scripture. Jesus talked about it. Jesus said, if you're faithful with little, I will make you ruler of much. You have to be faithful and obedient to what God's given you, what you know already, before He's going to expand your knowledge of the truth. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I have to be obedient where I am. I'm starting right now. What I know to do, I'm going to do that. Preacher, I don't know what to do in this situation. Well, if you don't know what to do, you do what you know to do and wait on the Lord. Until He leads you. Number four, I must learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I must learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We're, I don't know why we're afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit in Baptist churches. Someone might think we're charismatic. Now, I doubt they'll confuse us with charismatics. I, charismatics, I'll just be honest with you. More than two amens, and we think something's happening. Well, something's going on in church, you know. Man, they raised their hand this Sunday. I just had a cramp, Pastor. I'm sorry. You know, we thought you were getting spiritual and raising, you know. 
Raising the roof. No, I just got a cramp. I must learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, if I'm going to be obedient, and, and I'm becoming more aware of this, I was in a conversation, and I had an opportunity to say something about someone. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, and this is going on inside while I'm listening to this person. It's like the Holy Spirit said, why would you say that? Why, why would you say that? There is absolutely no reason for you to say that. That is nothing more than you trying to make yourself look good by talking about someone else. And I don't care if you think that was the Lord or not. I don't, the devil not going to tell me that. We've got to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And lastly, this is the hardest. I must learn to wait upon the Lord. See, you and I are not told anywhere in Scripture that we're responsible for the results. We're merely responsible to the Lord to be obedient unto Him. And wait. You don't have to defend God. You have to wait on God. You don't have to tell everybody you're waiting on God. You have to wait on God. You don't have to emaciate yourself and make you look like you're suffering so that everybody will come, oh, are you okay? No, you, you, you wait on the God. You wait on the Lord. You wait on God. And let me just tell you this. If you go to the Lord with a burden, but you don't go to the Word of God for the burden, or you don't try to find an answer to the burden from God, you're not praying, you're complaining. If you go to God and just complain, complain, and complain, and you're not doing anything in the Scripture to change your heart, you're not doing anything by the way of listening to Him, you're merely complaining to God. You're not praying. And the most unhuman thing to do in the world is to wait. To wait. Is there anyone in here that kind of likes to wait? I mean, you're kind of like, oh, I love waiting. Yeah. I would say you're off your rocker. I shouldn't say that, but we hate it because it's the most unhuman thing. It's the un, most unfleshly thing. I mean, we we want it now. I'm patient, but give it to me now. I must learn to wait on the Lord. Church, listen to me. It's not the distance between your start and your finish. It's not the distance that's going to keep you wandering and devoid of joy, devoid of peace, always fuming, fussing, fighting, carrying on. It's the condition of your heart. Obedience is a heart issue. And this is the crux of the message. This is the point of discipleship that we, when we get disciples and people come to faith in Christ, the very most basic thing we do is to teach them to observe, to do all, all of His commands. All of His commands are equal. All of His commands are important. And when someone says, the Word says this, but you, you, you've, already, you've already crossed the line. You never put 
a but or a comma where God puts a period. And when God says what He says, there's a period. It means, or sometimes it's an exclamation point. It means, do this now. And the reason why so many Christians are unhappy, so many Christians have no joy, so many Christians are always fighting with people, always having issues with people, is because their heart's not right with God. They've not come to the place in their life. Now, listen, I know that we're not going to be perfect. But we don't use that as an excuse. We strive for perfection. We're believers in Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We ought to be striving for protection. We ought to be doing the best we can do for the Lord Jesus Christ and leaving the results to Him. But I will tell you this. Every one of us in this room, every one of us, will stand face to face to the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows every thought we will ever have, every word we have ever said, every deed we have done. Obedience matters. Israel struggled because of their lack of obedience. You and I struggle today because of our lack of obedience. The single greatest thing we can do today is surrender ourselves afresh and anew to God. I want to observe to do all that you have commanded. I'm going to go looking for it. I want to know what you like, God, and what you dislike. I want to know what you want me to do and what you don't want me to do. And I want to take those truths into my life and I want to act upon them. I just want to do it. I'm not going to explain myself. I'm just going to do it. I just want to be obedient. Would you bow with me, please?